Hello, and thank you for joining us on an episode, new episode, a special episode of Why Theory. I, as always, am one of your co-hosts, Ryan Engley, joined by Todd McGowan. Todd, how are you, buddy? Hi, Ryan. I'm very good. Good to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to talk to you. And this is a uh, this is a special episode. It's a seasonal episode. We were talking about uh, Christmas movies, um, and we're going to talk about them uh, in terms of their theoretical uh, punch, let's say, uh, and 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 like offer maybe along the way uh, a theory of Christmas movies and highlight, we're going to highlight five films that offer the most theoretical interest uh, of, of Christmas films. So maybe this would be contentious, the five that we pick, but we're pretty, pretty confident. We're pretty confident. Yeah. 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 Why don't you list the five and then we will start to get into uh, like how we're going to approach these films. Okay. So I'll list them in the order we're going to talk about them. So we're going to talk about Three Days of the Condor, which many people might not consider a Christmas film, but we're pretty convinced that it is a Christmas film. Pretty much. Pretty convinced. And then It's a Wonderful Life, which I don't think anyone would not think is a Christmas film, although at the time it was released... People did not think it was one, which is right, which I, I think adds to its uh, it, it, it why it's, I think, so well loved now, right. I think, is because it came out and it was disjunct and almost inappropriate. Right. I, I, I right. might say. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. And then we and will then, talk then, about White Christmas, one of your mm. your favorites and mine as well, which I had never seen until you told me to see it. And then right. Die Hard. And then our, our final one, which is also our favorite one, um, is uh, Shop Around the Corner with the which. Our, our continuing love of Ernst Lubitsch. So <laughs> that's right. Yeah, uh, we're gonna ch- ch- challenge our listeners to to listen to all of this episode and the next one because I know that the uh, the to be or not to be one was not not our most uh, popular not outing. Not popular, I, I, right? People no. love that about as much as they love sports. So not at all. Um, not at all. But that's fine. Yeah. I think actually, the two people that are li- going to listen to this episode on Christmas hopefully will. We'll you know, it it's w- it's one of those things, Todd. Where we're it's we're not we're not trying to offer something for everyone. We're trying to offer everything for someone, and and that's that's what that's what these episodes are going to do. I think. Okay, you're 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 channeling Lincoln. I think with that. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah, that's you my. Can, um, you can you can offer something for some of the people some of the time. Some, some of the time, something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah something okay. like that. Dylan had an interesting take on I, it, some song of his from when he was a political. Uh, uh, songwriter, but I'm for, I'm forgetting the song. Somebody will know and maybe comment on SoundCloud at exactly this moment right. what the song is. Okay. But uh, by, by the way, we let's 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 move on to talk about. So you have thoughts about uh, about Christmas movies I in do. general? Like what I do? Yeah, what makes a Christmas movie? So Tommy I Allen? think the key thing. So this, I'm going to have a, a, a Hegelian definition, both of Christianity that then leads into the, my definition of Christmas, which then mm-hmm. c- theorizes for me the, Chris, the Christmas film. So okay. Hegel's idea of Christianity is that the absolute becomes apparent as the divided, su- most humiliated, divided subject, right? So God mm. comes down, appears as Christ dying on the cross in this completely mm-hmm. abject form mm-hmm. of, of as, a, as a, just a divided subject, not as a absolute beyond substance. And so he thinks that's the great, I think Hegel thinks that's the great revolutionary gesture in the history of humanity, that, Mm. you know, whether Christ really existed or not, just that idea is for him the great, the great moment. And then that, because for one thing, the dialectic of that, right? Like the, 
the way that the the thing that seems the ultimate, just in Hegel's terms, the ultimate substance then becomes pure subject and loses that yeah. sense of substantiality and and purity and and sense of a beyond. And so I think that mm-hmm. the one of the great things, and this is how I almost or I want to define the Christmas movie is the castration of the ultimate authority. Like that, that mm. you have to have that castration of the ultimate authority. And then mm-hmm. what's nice is oftentimes it's through that castration of the absolute authority that the couple forms. So that yeah. that I think is crucial. And then I think there's a couple other things. And I don't know, maybe we'll just start with that and maybe you can you can react to that if you want to. No, I I love it. I because my my big thing with like the best of uh, of of Christmas movies, and I'm gonna uh, in a second launch into a thing about um, Hallmark Christmas films, which I you like. I'm gonna put this. Yeah, I'm gonna put this out here. It may may damage my uh, my my media studies uh, your uh, career theory yeah. C- career. Yeah, <laughs> right. but I do I I do earnestly like these films. Yeah. But they but I'll, we'll get into that in a second. But yeah. the the thing that the best of Christmas films have is that they are not cynical. Yeah. And that they, as as you're saying about uh, like your Hegelian reading, I think nicely dovetails with with my reading and what I value in Christmas films is that like when spirit emerges, it like it is like that, that it can only be genuine. Yeah. And I think that that the the Christmas film always has that. I think the same about I think children's movies are excellent about this. Pixar films in particular, where you have the the radical act um, abound. In, 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 in Pixar films, you know, you uh, like my my favorite example in Wally when the ship computer tells the ship captain that they can't go to Earth. Yeah. And he says, why? And he says, mankind will not survive on Earth. And the ship captain says, I, I don't want to survive. I want to live. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I think that that is so great. I, when anti-biopolitical. It's anti-biopolitical. Yeah. yeah. And then like when Lightning McQueen pushes the broken race car across the uh, the finish line. Because, you know, like yeah. I, I think he yeah. says, you've given up the piston cups. You know that? He says, a grumpy old race car. I know said it's just an empty cup. Yeah. And like that, oh my God, that always gets me. And yeah, I had to don't watch you that think, movie. Yeah, like I think that's really good. I wanted to yeah. write a book. <laughs> Your great Walmart career. Yeah, um, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I wanted to write a book called The Revolution Will Be Animated. Yeah, but Because of good. that idea. Like I think that, I mean, I'm never going to do it, but I think that idea... <laughs> And someone wrote a book called Pixar Lacan that I oh interesting yeah which which was good and I I think I might have blurbed it but um mm. but I feel like that I think you're right about the, the that that anti cynicism yeah. of both and this was going to get to my second point that I feel mm. like it, I I totally love that point that there is some sense of the genuine and I I mm-hmm. don't you think it's tied to the holiday is a holiday from the logic of capital and capitalist yeah. accumulation, which is interesting because in real it's so life, intrinsic, yeah. But in real life, it's the opposite, right? Like yeah, Christmas yeah, yeah, isn't yeah, yeah. like that's Black Friday. Is of course there. That's when retail stores get in the black because they're selling right. so much for Christmas. And I, I think, well, I, Linus's speech, right? Linus's speech, yeah, at the, at the end of the yeah. Charlie Brown Christmas. Yeah, I mean, like that's. Yeah. And and do you want to just say tell. it because many people might not? Oh yeah. well, when I mean it, it is, I got I haven't seen the movie in a long time, but he gives like sort of the film's uh, quilting point about the meaning of of, of Christmas, and uh, and it is it is it is deeply religious. It is Christian. I mean, so there is that yeah. uh, aspect to it. But he um, 
he this this film that has been about like presents and like getting money right tens right. and 20s right that great that great line reading from yeah. from one of those kids and it ends with a very like I, I would say like in your reading a very hegelian idea of what like christmas is all about which is it's this like it's this celebration of the you know again like the savior and it's this recognition of i, I want to say linus doesn't say this but like this recognition of like the like the absolute made like human and vulnerable right well, and i the, think right and, right right the vulnerability I, of the absolute is crucial and i think yeah. isn't it I think it's interesting that there that in the Christmas movie the antithesis of Christianity and capitalism gets highlighted which is ironic because yeah. ca- capitalism grew under a Christian regime right so it's yeah. so it is there's something ironic about that and there's of course the Joel Osteen gospel of wealth right that that yeah. suggests well, that 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 to be the best Christian is the richest person. But I think yes. there, I think obviously that's obscene. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think the Christmas movie nicely shows that. And then we see the, that it's, it's, the, if you, if you're invested in the logic of accumulation, then you're the villain. And I mean, the example, mm-hmm. the example, the second film we're going to talk about today is, is uh, it's a wonderful life. And, the villain is Potter, who is who's, who's the embodiment. This is why the FBI was suspicious of that film. Although Capra, interestingly, <laughs> if you know this, that Capra was a conservative, and there's a picture of Herbert mm. Hoover on the on the wall of the Bailey Main <laughs> Savings and Loan, oh. which is really <laughs> funny. Yeah. Um, and he was an anti New Dealer. Um, wow, you did not know that about Capra. I did not know yeah, that. That's interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, um, but he's a conflicted guy. But the FBI. Investigate was 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 suspicious of of uh, it's a wonderful life because of the way that Potter like the villainy of Potter yeah. was itself suspect. So I feel like that kind of figure is always the villain of of the of the Christmas movie. of the Christmas film. Yeah. That's so true, and and I think like like I really wonder if if we if we connected the dots on this, but like. I, I think that that it, maybe it takes a conservative to make one of the most socialist films that like in in the canon. I think that's uh, true. I mean, I do think. Yeah. Look, I think that that scene at the at the savings at the, at the is it the savings and loan is that what it's called? Yeah. Savings and loan. Savings yeah, and loan. Yeah. Um, at the Bailey savings and loan, where there's a run on the bank, and then uh, George Bailey, the Jimmy Stewart uh, character, says look, your money's not here. It's in somebody else's house. And I mean, it really makes the social. Are you setting me up right now? You're setting me up right now. Yeah, you? go ahead. Your, your money's not here. It's in, it's in Bill's house and, and Joe's house. Uh, uh, Potter, Potter did it. Potter, he, he, uh, anyway, et cetera. So. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm applauding silently. Thank you. <laughs> That's yeah, very yeah. good. Um, so I think that scene really... I mean, you want me to lasso the moon? <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> uh, we could just do that the whole time. We could let's leave <laughs> the theory time. behind. It's all just um, this, just me doing that. City. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but I think that 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 you know the that by ex, in other words, exposing the logic of the savings and loan is exposing the socialist collective dimension. Mm-hmm. Of the way even money functions, right? Like even yeah, money yeah. itself has a collective dimension to it, and an interdependence that mm. that violates the Randian logic. I think that prevails, or yeah. the liberal logic that prevails in most people's mind. 
about yeah. about the way money and, and and capital works. So I think that I think you're I love that point that it takes a conservative to make the most effective socialist film. I mean, I, although I, I you know I mean I think this comes to there's another problem, of course, with the idea of the holiday, right? That the yeah that the holiday from capitalism can function like a Bakhtinian carnival, you know, where, where, yeah, of course, where where you just just have the holiday on the one day and then the rest of the time you're, you can be a rapacious capitalist. And it's because you have a holiday one day that it supports. Yeah. So we suspend hierarchy, like get rid of all these rules. And all that does is it just reaffirms the hierarchy, the the patriarchy that exists all, all year round. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so the Christmas yeah. movie, interestingly though, not Christmas itself, right? Because Christmas yeah. itself is not any holiday from capitalism. It's right. the high point of capitalism. And, Absolutely. Right. I mean, that's the whole thing that it is. So it's only the Christmas film that plays out this notion of the holiday from the mm-hmm. logic of capital. It is absolutely not Christmas as it's celebrated within the culture. Yeah. No. Yeah. I have, I have two things on this okay. that I wanted to get to yeah. before we get to Condor. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you bring up Joel Osteen, I think is perfect because there, I'm forgetting the name of this, but Kurt Cameron had a, a Christmas film that he did a Christian. Uh, and again, this is like the evangelical kind of, uh, uh, left behind Christian, yeah. uh, uh, belief, uh, a couple of years ago where the whole point of it basically is a refutation of Linus's, um, speech at the end of Charlie Brown Christmas. Yeah. And it's about this guy, I believe the guy whose name is Christian, because like, why not be on the nose yeah, about everything, right, right. who has a crisis of of faith. And I believe what his crisis of faith is, is that he doesn't think he should be accumulating <laughs> as a Christian. And the Kirk Cameron character convinces him that like this, hey, these two double fridges that you have in your in your garage, your two-car garage, you need to have those. That's you being a good Christian. And it is it, it is this, it is completely wrapped up, like in a, an attempt almost to um, to reify uh, capital as in, as the Christian logic. Yeah. Um, and like, so that's why like those kinds of films, they fail to be Chris, uh, Christmas films. And this is going to tie into... Um, why I love Hallmark films yeah. is that they are conflicted because it is a greetings card company. Right. And the thing about this greeting card company is that most of the time, obviously for anybody who has ever had to get a card for somebody for any occasion, and you find yourself looking at Hallmark cards because they, they just dominate the market. Right. You you, you run, you go through 10, 12, maybe even more. And you're like, this is just peddling cliched nonsense right. to me. And then maybe out of that, you find the card that actually manages to say something or it allows you, or it doesn't say too much. And then you can write a little note, right? I think that's sort of like well, the, the minimalist one are the only ones that are ever tolerable, right? Like the, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's, those are the ones that, that work and you're like, okay, this is it. That is the exact experience of watching a Hallmark Christmas films. There's one that came out and, uh, a new one a couple weeks ago. It stars Leanne Rimes, Todd. Okay. Stars Leanne, <laughs> stars Leanne Rimes. She's it's a singer, called, I take it, right? She's the singer, yeah. yeah. It, um, it, it's called, you may, you, like, I, you just need to trust me on this, okay. but, but I promise this is true. Okay. It's called It's Christmas, comma, Eve, because her name is Eve, <laughs> okay? So yeah. right, that's the name of this movie gotcha. is It's Christmas Eve. And she plays, and, like, I swear to God that they have, like, Mad Libs at the offices where these movies are made because... She plays an interim school superintendent 
who goes to her hometown uh, for the first time in a while. She always bebops around to different places, and she's going to have to balance the books of this school, and she's going to have to do that by cutting the music and art program. Uh, now, I here's see where the this thing. is going. You see where this is going. Now, she is, of course, a singer in real life. She's gone away from singing for a long time. Yeah. She hasn't sang, sang in a while. And she accidentally bumps into uh, what turns out to be uh, the music teacher at the school, who will yeah. be her, her, her love interest. Yeah. Now, this is sort of the thing. As I'm saying that, like, there's all this kind of, like, cliched nonsense in the movie. But, like, what is... What I'm what I am here for in watching these movies that are all two hours long, what I'm here for is the the moments that are not cynical, the moments that are genuine, that burst through um this like Hallmark is the only <laughs> production company that is like really doing things like classic era Hollywood yeah. that is just churning out these films yeah. and like they don't care. You know, and this was what of course the auteur theory was based on, that like despite um Hollywood's insistent on producing these films as commodities. There were these people that were able to put like an authorial thumb. There was Howard Hawks. Howard Hawks. There was Howard. What do you know? Yeah. 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 Right. And so, and then, you know, we're going to talk about Capra who I think fits into that matrix as well. And there's Lubitsch. Um, And they didn't recognize. Yeah. Which which is why we talk about them all the time. (laughs) Um, And so anyway, I don't want to give credit though, because it's Slavoj and Alenka and Mladen who started the Lubitsch conversation. The return to Lubitsch. Yeah, yes. although I, I I I love to be or not to be before I think they did. So I'm gonna Yeah. I'm not gonna yeah. give them That's a nice hipster time. comment. <laughs> it's like I was in it before they were, but <laughs> I know I shouldn't have been that. That was no, ridiculous. No, it's good. No, it's good because I'm gonna say the same thing next episode about Die Hard. Okay. But so okay. we'll okay. so it'll we'll be we'll okay. be equal. No, um, I so love anyway, that what, point about the oh, sorry, just finish your point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just finished the, the, about the movie. So anyway, what? So the first time this couple meets is that two other couples like bump into each other with coffee, and the guy who Leanne Rhymes is eventually going to fall in love with says like, "That's a great meeting story." He says the the something like that. Like they always like the couple always gets together like that, and you forget about it, and they have their conflict or whatever, and eventually she convinces the town to have like a fundraiser to to um to save the arts program, and this is kind of the thing about Hallmark Christmas movies is that quite often they designate they actually identify the the problems in society like they actually do like uh, it is the bank it is closing down art programs it is it is like this kind of thing but their solution is so ideological it's like you know why you know how we can survive the how the music program can survive it's because we've all realized that it's a moral failing on behalf of individuals rather than a systemic problem so it's a moralization of the political problem yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so yeah. that's where they falter. But then sort of at the end of the movie, when she realizes she's finally in love with this guy, she goes over to to his house and they have a conversation. He's holding a cup and she asks him, she says, is that hot in your cup? She says, no. And she takes it from him and throws it at him at his white shirt. And then they kiss. And it's really, really nice oh, I like because because they didn't have that moment earlier. And it's like. Every Hallmark movie, just like finding the Hallmark card <laughs> that in the sea of cliches and nonsense, they have that moment that is uh, that is pretty good and it's it is well earned and it is not cynical and it it kind of outweighs the rest of it that's nonsense. That's yeah. why that's why I like those movies. So like anyway, that. please tell me. No, it's yeah. that's related to what I want to say is my third point about the Christmas movie that there's this constitutive yeah. misunderstanding about mm. something mm. that seems far away and foreign. And I think this is tied mm-hmm. to my earlier point about the absolute coming to 
coming down and down to earth. But right, so, right. So this thing that seems foreign, but it's actually, we find out that it's familiar. Like we think we desire mm-hmm. something exotic and foreign, and mm-hmm. or we think we're encountering something that's exotic and foreign, and then we discover that it's actually the familiar and the proximate. And it's yeah. actually the familiar and the proximate that we really unconsciously desire, right? So it's about this, mm-hmm. the way that the logic of desire works out, like the, the, the way this, there's this fantasy of the exotic object and then the way that what really, what I really am desiring. Uncon- I think it's almost the contrast between conscious will, which is directed at the right. foreign object, and then the unconscious desire, which is drawn to what's proximate. And it, I think mm. It's a Wonderful Life is great on this, and I think, yeah. uh, so it's Three Days of the Condor, or I mean, the best one was the one that we'll talk about last which is right. um, shop around the corner shop but, around the corner. but yeah. I, I think I don't know so that so I think and I think that works nicely with your example of the of the homework like she especially that one you just described like she's yeah. finding she finds the guy but she find, mm-hmm. he's right there in front of her mm-hmm. and she mm-hmm. couldn't see him until the moment where she throws the thing you know she throws the coffee yeah, on him yeah, yeah. The, the, the cold coffee because what ha- and I think that this adds to your point is that it's not just finding the familiar it's that the familiar has to be distorted right, in some right. way exactly for no, for right. it, to, it to be uh, d- desirable right and like exactly. like and, and I think that's that's definitely um, a thread in the in in like the in the Christmas movie and like I, the genuine one I, yeah not the Joel Austin right and I think thing, it's yeah. related to the notion of Christianity and Christmas too because this idea in Kierkegaard of indirect communication like God can't mm-hmm. communicate directly with us he has to we have to get this mystery of Christ and I think that's the that's the same idea that you're talking about with love right yeah. like you have to see you can't see the object straight on. You have yeah. to see it through this distortion of distance, which then lets you see what it is really approximately, right? Like you have it's to like have that, the uh, distance. It's like the the Dickinson line, right? If you're going to tell the truth, tell, tell it slant. slant. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. Yeah, mm. that's good. It's good that we also managed to avoid using the term "looking awry" throughout that whole. <laughs> <laughs> it was very to, deftly uh, to, handled. Yeah, yeah. yeah to steal it to uh, to steal a phrase. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so let's yeah. let's talk about this is one of my favorite films of all time. Is Three Days of yeah. the Condor, which I you know a lot of people maybe haven't seen, but it's a so it's a seventies paranoid thriller mm-hmm. in which. Do you, you just saw it. So do you want to describe the just plot? Saw it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, real briefly to, to get anybody interested in the movie and then to sort of set the parameters so we can have the conversation anyway, um, is that uh, Robert Redford plays a character named uh, Joe Turner uh, who works for the CIA but not as an agent, not a field agent. He is a reader. He re- He's part of a, a special task force. As one of the other they characters read- says, he reads everything. <laughs> He reads everything, right? Right, and this uh, this will um, this will uh, this is going to be another episode. I, I have this um, I have this uh, I have this hot take that um, the reason why uh, fiction is is it's, there's this impulse to regulate fiction, and this could be like in the Hayes Production Code or any kind of um, uh, censorship that that occurs over something like video games or like violent movies or whatever. The the reason why it's it's so much easier to get like governments and like ideologically opposed people together to regulate fiction is that fiction has the possibility 
to change reality and to rupture reality. Whereas reality does not have that control over fiction. Fiction can remain boundless and limitless, you know, no matter what happens in reality. Yeah, I absolutely agree and, with that. Yeah, and I think that this film does, it shows a, a really good example is that um, what, so Turner ends up stumbling upon a, as he says later in the movie, a CIA within the CIA that uh, through um, fictional uh manuscripts that are translated only into certain languages right. arabic and dutch but not german uh Spanish, and as he puts out but not french yeah, but, but not french right right so um so it's they're goes, sending messages about the plan through these published books i assume exactly. that's what the, they're never clear about why they're publishing it in these books i don't think I think or the one I think book, the, right? Yeah, yeah. The implication, right, is to reach the different agents in different right, places. Right. But it is, but like, why does it need to be? Through why, the, why publish why it in a book? I mean, that's what that's yeah. an interesting thing. Except, I think I like the idea of it though that you have to pub in some way. It has to make itself manifest in public. Yeah, or, yeah. it has to be public. It can't be completely private. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. I mean, that doesn't that also map on to how like um, you know. The, the reason why there's not, like, a perfect crime is because, like, there is the impulse uh, to, toward the other. Like, right, you, you right. must be seen. Right, there right. must be re- right. Which is why crime. I think people shouldn't make fun of the Bond villain who describes <laughs> the crime to Bond because that is yeah. the essence yeah. of crime. It is a performance mm-hmm. for the other, right? Yes. So it's not that they want to get... Criminals don't want to get money. They want to perform criminality for the other. So, of course, yeah. they're going to explain their crime and its brilliance to the person they're going to kill prior to killing them. Right. Like the only person who could appreciate, right. Who could properly free. So it's not unrealistic. Like that's the only time bond films are realistic. Just when they're (laughs) not killing bond and say, I mean, the only one time they don't do that is when Goldfinger, but even then it's an elaborate death sequence. When he, when, when Bond goes, do you expect me to talk? And then Goldfinger goes, no, Mr. No. Bond, I expect you to die. And then, oh, that's so good. But yeah, that was man. a, I, you should do the accent because I, I, I have no, I'm a null on that kind of thing. But, um, no, <laughs> no, it's true. But, but, but that's the only Mr. time. Mr. Bond, we, I expect you to die. <laughs> I don't think he's going to play Goldfinger. Um, I don't think so either. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so I think, I think that that, that, you know, that's the only one where he doesn't. Do, do, although he Goldfinger does explain actually, so even right, in that right. case, he does do an explanation. So I feel like that really is realism, and I think you know that that idea that it's perf- that even the most self-serving crime is done mm-hmm. as a performance for the other. I think that yeah, has to be yeah. true, and I think that's true, and that's why that you get the publication in Condor. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. And so because Turner has stumbled upon this thing, um, there is a hit squad sent to the office where he works at, and he happens to be out getting sandwiches for everybody at the time. And I think, and then he... And he goes out by uh, the unofficial exit, which is why they don't know he's gone out. Exactly. That's a kind o- of only because it rained. Yeah, only because it rained, is, right. Right, which is pretty good. And yeah. so then, anyway, so he calls the CIA to report this, whatever, and uh, then... Anyway, so then the rest of the film happens. I don't want to get bogged down in minutia, but it turns out because he had discovered uh, an inter-CIA plot, he is being hunted by the very people who are the ones who can, can the only people who can bring him in and keep him safe. And so to um, to keep himself safe, he um, doesn't he doesn't kidnap. I'm not sure what the the right word. I think is, it's kidnap like, is the right word. Ki- is the initially, right word? Okay. he kidnaps her. And he kidnaps uh, Catherine Hale's Catherine played by Hale Faye Dunaway. Played by Faye Dunaway, yeah. 
Yeah. And and the, um, the, and the guy working with him at the CIA, who he initially thinks is on his side and then it's not clear, is played by Cliff Robertson named Higgins. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Max von uh, Sydow is, is uh, chasing the, him. He's the assassin, yeah. the freelance the assassin. assassin hired by the CIA. Yeah. And it's interesting, that thing that you brought up about... Um, there was something that the that you said about how the Christmas film uh, refuses the sort of Randian logic at the end of of Condor. I mean, this is obviously getting ahead of ourselves, but Sidow um, gives um, uh, Redford, uh, you know, the the two characters, right? That he gives him advice that like he should not stay in New York. He should escape. He's uncovered something that's, yeah. that's too it's too big. He's a bit of a nuisance, and he says, you know in my line of work, cause he's a contract killer. He's like, there are no sides. You just, you just do like, he goes, for I, you. I, 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 I concern myself with when sometimes where always how much. Yeah. That's what he says. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a very like, so what he's telling, basically what he's telling, uh, uh, Turner is like, look, just don't be a part of society. Yeah. Like, like be like, make this like libertarian radical selfishness, right. This Randian move yeah. like away. And, he can't Turner do refuses. it. He refuses. He can't do it. Do it. Yeah. He refuses. And, and he makes uh, the public, yeah. very public gesture mm-hmm. of publishing what the CIA has done in the New York Times or trying to publish right. in the New York Times. How, how do you know? How do you know they'll publish it? I know. Right? That's the great. See, okay. So I think it doesn't it do a great job. First of all, the CIA, this ultimate mysterious substantial authority, and mm-hmm. is itself divided. Like yeah. there's a secret yeah. CIA within the CIA. So right. it's so even the CIA head guy Wabash, played by John Houseman, he's not really mm-hmm. the author- we don't know who the real authority is because it's right. divided in itself. So that's the thing he uncovers. But then the end, I love this point because so so Higgins and he are having a conversation out walking along the street of New York, and then he yeah. he look he goes look where you are. I I published it. It's the near they're going to pub. They've got the story, and then Higgins mm-hmm. first goes. You've you've you you've done more harm than you can you possibly know or something like that. Right. And right, then yeah, yeah. and then Redford goes, I hope so. And then <laughs> and then he got, and then and then he st- he goes, I'll see you, Higgins. I'm taking a walk. And then he and then Higgins goes, You can take a walk, but how far can you go if they don't print it? And then Redford yeah. goes, They'll print it. And he goes, How do you? Is it the last line of the film? How do you know? Yeah. 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 And yeah. and isn't that what's great about that is it shows even democracy is not mm-hmm. a guarantee. Like even democracy right. is itself up for grabs. Like you don't mm-hmm. know at the end of that film, like is the Times going to print it and is he going to be safe or is he just totally screwed? Yeah. If they don't print yeah. it, then the CIA is just going to eliminate him. They're going to find right. him and they're also going to eliminate Kathy, the Faye Dunaway character. Right, right. right so right. she'll be, unless the story, like publicity is the only protection, which I like mm-hmm. of course too. Yeah. So, anyway, so you, I don't know, maybe you have a comment on that. I don't know. Oh no, I think yeah. I, I mean, I completely agree. I think it's it's um it's it's at this point that we need to get into. I mean, I think we've uh oh, the Christmas perhaps, dimension. Uh, yes. Yeah, the Christmas dimension is the thing that we need to get into. Yeah. Now, so, so, so there are five carols. So, yep. Good King Wenceslas is the first one, yep. which is playing mm-hmm. outside. He's eating a pretzel, and it's playing yes, outside it's on the road. <laughs> um, <laughs> Then Silver Bells is in the in the store where he sees Kathy. He just picks her out, and then he and Silver Bells is playing. Then he goes over to his friend's house, who's been shot. That's part of the plot. Yep. 
Um, in they were trying to kill him, and his friend got shot, and that their his friend named Heidegger, by the way. No, no, also, no like, Heidegger's an earlier, oh, a different friend. Oh, but sorry, Sam yeah. is the friend. Oh, oh, it's you're Sam. talking about his Sam. Yeah. Sam, sorry, yeah. Um, and then and then um, Sam's wife is named May, and and at her house, it came upon upon a midnight clear is playing, and then mm. when this other guy that tried to kill Turner, but ends up being an embarrassment to them, to the mm-hmm. secret organization he gets killed in the hospital when he's on life support and joy to the world is being played yep. and then the final scene where higgins and and turner have this talk god rest you merry gentlemen is playing and then the final freeze frame is turner mm-hmm. walking away the carolers are singing and then the the, car- the one caroler has his mouth open and turner's head is right behind his and he's singing right. god and then it just stops. And, yep. And, yep. and I just find that stunned. I mean, so there's clearly this Christmas idea, but I think the, you know, it seems to me like the, the it ties so nicely and thematically with what it's, the film is doing to the authority of the CIA. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's really nice. And there's just like to make some sort of like aesthetic comments. Yeah. There's some really nice shots in the movie. Like uh, uh, the early on Max von Sydow is walking across pavement and it is uh, oil slicked. Yeah. And uh, you the the shot is just of the pavement and you can see him clearly upside uh, down in a reflection. Upside down. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so nice. Yeah. There's also. Um, there's also, uh, I think, a nice when um, the hitman arrives in Kathy's apartment. I was, I was just thinking about that scene. Yeah, the, he, he yeah, comes the, as a post d- deliverer, a post officer. Yeah, there's a there's a light bulb flash that goes off yeah. that, that kind of blinds him, which I think is like sort of like a rear window reference. Yeah. and then um, the he eventually ends up shooting the mirror yeah. instead of instead of him, which I think is also which is a lady from Shanghai reference. Yeah. I think yeah. a little bit. And uh, but the best the best reference, which is the one that I think clinches this at least as a Christmas later, film. Yeah, as a Christmas film, is that um, there's a phone call uh, between uh, Faye Dunaway's character and her boyfriend, who is in uh, Vermont because they're going skiing yes. in the in the Green Mountains. Right. Uh, which and is, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just which is say, which well, which is a is a white Christmas illusion, right? Like they're coming yeah, up to I Vermont, so. right, right? Right, right, going up to Vermont for Christmas, yeah. Uh, and and so Redford, uh, so Joe Turner, he makes her pick up the phone and uh, have this conversation with her boyfriend, like kind of at I mean at gunpoint. Right. And the way that the 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 scene is framed is that it is, if you can imagine it, listeners, it is Faye Dunaway's head, um, phone on her. Uh, Left side on on her left side ear, and then it is Robert Redford atop. So it goes his up right in side, this sort of, right? Yeah, his, his right, right side. Ear. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. So it goes up at an angle, and they're listening together, and it is an an almost exact mirror of the famous scene in It's a Wonderful Life when George and Mary are on the phone with Mary at the time, her boyfriend, Sam who, Wainwright. Uh, Sam Wainwright. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And it is in this moment in It's a Wonderful Life that George. Um, realizes he's in love with her. Exactly. Right. Like she the, loves him yeah. from the time she was a little girl, it seems. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Sorry. George Bailey, I'm going to marry you. Right. Yeah, right. right. Is this your bad ear? This is your yeah. bad ear, right? <laughs> yeah, right. It's right. so amazing. Yeah. And with, um, with Condor, this is the moment where uh, both uh, Turner and Hales become people, I think, to each other. Well, and it's not. I think it's, it's the moment captured. she yeah. falls for him. Right. Yeah. 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 So it's it's yeah. kind of reverses it, and then yeah. we were talking about this. So the the scene is now that their relationship 
at the time it was released, it was not controversial at all. But now it's become somewhat, people have become disturbed by it because he he takes her hostage and then she falls for him. Right. So that's the right, basic right. thing. I mean, he doesn't... Like it's a Stockholm syndrome. Right, a Stockholm thing. syndrome. Yeah. Kind of. uh, it's in, a couple things about that. So she, I think, what's, what I think, you made the point, uh, I'll let you make it later, but... Uh, which I think complicates that about the way the film wants us to relate to it. But I do think that that it's interesting that the that she makes the initial gesture and that the sex scene is entirely from her perspective, right? Like so, it's as if he's fulfilling some kind of phantasmatic function for her because we get all the the there's a montage sequ- there's a montage sex sequence. And it's right. nothing of his life. It's all, she's a photographer. No. And so it's yeah. all a montage of the photographs that she's taken and her, like, it's almost as if her loneliness finds its expression in him, not a solution to it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. an expression. Like she's allowed, she's find someone that she can be alone together with. And I think, yeah. I almost am tempted to say that's the idea of the, really the fundamental idea of the Christmas film that you can be alone together with someone. That's mm. the, that's the thing that gets accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's so great. And I mm. think the, the, the film, I mean, what, what's really excellent about the way the film casts that moment. And is that I think the film is aware of the problematic nature of yeah. that, that sex scene, because earlier in the film, uh, Redford, uh, well, Joe says of her pictures that it, it, she took them not quite autumn, not quite winter. It's like this sort of like in between right. thing. And those are the photographs that are intercut with them, the scene of them having sex. And it's, it's calling attention to like, this is, this is in between being fine and not being fine. Right. And I think that it, the, the film is, is asking you to, to work out how, messy this is and how uh how conflictual it is it's not it's not just saying like yeah this is okay now because because he's won her over or whatever it's like no there's still there's still an issue here there's still uh like like some liminal uh uh, space of conflict which this is is happening and i think your point about it um it being about um about her and her enjoyment is uh one of the like the the filmic way that that we know that it's not that like well it's not about Joe and it's not about him asserting his own sort of like will on her because she you know it, and again this is that thing where it's like it's both okay and it's not okay is like he uncuffs her and she doesn't push him away she brings him toward her right. so it's right after this moment of captivity that, you know, they have sex. And again, it's like, you know, right. That's the problem in it. But I think I love your point that the film is pointing to the fact that there's a problem in it. Right. Yes. It's not hiding from it. It's like, it's like giving it to you in, in neon lights, (laughs) like, like the, and, and then she, and that's why like afterwards, um, she continues to like, she kind of hounds him about what just happened where she says that, uh, she says that he, uh, talks in his sleep yeah and he mentioned and 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 he said a name what's the name janice the name? Janice. janice and she says this is a great line was she a volunteer or a draftee like me right and then she and, goes and, and then I, he asked her he goes i just need your help for one more thing and she goes have i ever denied you anything i'm the spy fucker yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep yeah. right yeah. right 
you know? And so, like, that's kind of, um, like, she she made herself vulnerable to him and now she can hurt him. And then, right? but then and don't you yeah. think one of the gr- most moving scenes of the film is when he betrays her at the very end when he, he goes, I just need to, li-. he's, he's leaving on the train, I think, and she's going to drive up to v- Vermont and yeah. he's like, taking the train to Washington, right. To go to the, to kill the other or to confront the head of mm-hmm. the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and he, What's his name? Uh, uh, what was his name? Uh, the the guy that runs the plot is is side out. No, oh, sorry, Atwood. Atwood, Atwood is his name. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he mm-hmm. goes to confront him in his house. But r- th- my point is that right when they 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 he starts to go on the train, he says to her, "I just need a few hours to take care of some things. Can you wait that long?" And and yeah. what he's saying is, "Can you wait to report this to the authorities?" And she mm. looks at him like how could you think that I would report, you know, like this look of total devastation. And it's such a betrayal. It it reminded me of the scene in a later film, Babel, where Brad Pitt, these people are taking care of um, Kate. What's her name? Kate. It's not Kate Winslet, but Kate Blanchett. Uh, Blanchett. Who's his wife. And, and they're at some village and then he, he tried, they've taken care of him and they're going to nurse her uh, uh, back to health or at least kept her alive. Mm -hmm. And then he offers them money and they're like, what, like you've turned this into a something transactional yeah, and totally, yeah, right. and it's like an act of the worst kind of violence. And then he does mm-hmm. that and then he immediately sees that what I did was wrong and he hugs her. Yeah. But I thought that was interesting that he's, interesting. he, he's the one that betray. like, so there's two things. So the sex scene is from her perspective and then he's the mm-hmm. one that betrays he betrays her. So I think there's all these ways that the film is complicating him and yeah, his, right. And not complicating her. I mean, she's complicated, but yeah. not like undermining her in the right. way that it undermines him. Yeah, no, I think it's true. Like, like there, because there are, there are moments in the, in like the middle of the film, I think, especially after he has uh, kidnapped her uh, in her own home where you, like you want to know kind of what's going on in the movie, but you're not exactly on his side yeah, completely, yeah, you know, yeah. like, I think, I think this is something that is, um, maybe, I mean, I don't know if any of the other movies we're going to talk about have, have this at the, at the fore of it. I think white Christmas does this, but it's with the characters. I mean, we know the whole time, right. uh, like, like who, like, um, about Bing Crosby's character and his like genuine intentions, um, in that film. But I don't know that any of these other movies, like, like, ask you to feel conflicted about the protagonist right um and what in what he's doing um and like what why why he's doing it what he's doing it for um but i think that that's to to the film's strength i kind of feel well this way. I, maybe kinda, they yeah. do maybe they all do ryan like i think that's yeah. again this notion of the division of the of the subject that is so foregrounded in these films right because I'm thinking White Christmas. You don't know if he's <laughs> cynical or not, right? Like, because remember, yeah. he says to he his his line is always, "What's your angle? What's your angle?" Yeah, right, right. And so you think, and then her confusion. I mean, I guess we know that he's not. We won't get ahead to that too much in that <laughs> film, but we sure, know sure. that he's more genuine than she thinks he yeah. is. But, um, but I I was thinking, it's a wonderful life. Like we don't know. Do we, I mean we don't know that George Bailey really wants to stay in Bedford Falls, do we? I mean, <laughs> I don't think we know that. Like really, really like deeply wants to, you know, yeah. like when the, 
Well, I, I suppose you're right because you know what you're right because he does he does wish he was never been born, right? Right. And well, I not mean, only that, that but yeah. like give me the biggest suitcase so I can stay away from yeah. a long time. You know, like yeah, yeah. Right, I don't right. know. I feel like I think that that's a that's a common thing that 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 we're unsure ourselves about the here because there's the struggle between cynicism and authenticity, which is, I think you're bringing mm-hmm. up from the Hallmark film as well, right? Like yeah, that they yeah. do that all the time. And all I feel right, like right. if the Christmas film is a holiday from, I mean, don't you think it's interesting how cynicism thinks that it's anti-capitalist and yet it's the most capitalist attitude capitalist. imaginable, right? Yeah. I think that is right. just utterly clear and, 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 and fascinating point. And I think that if the Christmas film is a holiday from, capital it's a it's a holiday mm. also from cynicism so i think it's mm. it's and, and i mean that, that it's more clear that that's what it is it's clearer that mm. i'm sorry it's clear that that's it's that it's a holiday from cynicism but it's but it, it's also a holiday from capital at the same time because that's the logic that's, of capital yeah no that's interesting i think that probably you know what yeah i think you're you've you've convinced me i think that uh, especially in in I think in in Die Hard as as maybe not so much. Well, it's not. Um, it depends on who you think the hero of Die Hard is. Exactly. Yeah. I was just gonna say it's 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 about it's about Hans Gruber. It's yeah. about Rickman. It's about and I think that the second film maybe does. I don't know that anybody talks about this, but I think the second film does this a little bit um, better. But it maybe I think it conflicts to the point that Die Hard two is, is trying to make where I think the the terrorists in that movie are more sympathetic like their cause absolutely um, I think the, yeah. I think Die Hard 2 is a I, 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 I know this is probably sacrilegious to say this or or, or a, a heresy you're gonna say it's the best one I think it's the best one yeah well, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah, no, yeah. Well, we're not no. we're not on to Die Hard yet. So we're not on to Die Hard yet. No, not, no. But I think that works because yeah, yeah, I think that works. Yeah. and I, it was shop around the corner. Of course, yeah. that you 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 he because right. We're not going to talk about this later. But but yeah. But J- Jimmy Stewart's character, like he he knows early on that the the right because the the plot of this film just to kind of make what i'm about to say very clear is is two people writing to each other like in a, um like personal ads yeah like a, in a relationship and and they work together and they hate each other and it turns out that they've been writing to each other um a, as uh, anonymous sort of uh lovers by by mail and jimmy stewart realizes this early on and he does not uh tell the the margaret the, sullivan the, uh about right, it. Yeah. yeah and he allows her to feel devastated that her uh, lover has not appeared right. and rejected her right. yeah no no i think that's pretty and good he seems pretty like a pretty bad guy yeah. Right? yeah yeah so i think that's a i think that's a nice element of it so that both the division of the ultimate authority and then the division of the hero mm. it's, it's him in the films we're talking about himself right like the, yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's can we move to It's a Wonderful Life? I think so. Yeah, so we both we both love Condor. I think. And, uh, yeah. Last thing, I just want to say, there's yeah. a shot of a Holiday Inn in Three Days of the, Three Days of the Condor. Right. Another an, another uh, feather in its uh, Christmas Christmas bonnet. movie. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. Right. There Christmas. was even actually when I was telling Kara that we were going to do this movie, she looked it up, and there is. I'm not sure if it's like. Slate or some it's on or salon slate. or it's on slate. It's on slate, right? There's some, yeah. There's some it's like the forgotten about, oh, Christmas movie or something. Yeah, like that. right. Yeah. People should be talking about this instead of Die Hard because it is true that like the Die Hard is like the 
people's champion Christmas movie right. um, or it's Rocky four. Right. Um, but that's not a very good movie. Yeah. I, I don't think it's quite bad. It's, it's very fun though. Yeah. I mean, no, it's fine. Yeah. That's a fun yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, um, About half of I the just, running time yeah. is music videos. <laughs> half of the running time is montages. I know, it's montage outrageous. with music, play, with Survivor songs playing. Right. Yeah, so it was Survivor. Like, yeah. like Rocky runs to the top of what seems like the biggest mountain in all of Siberia. I and know, then like, I know. I come know. on. It's amazing. Like, yeah. yeah. But this is, a, I don't know, I don't know if I told you this before, but after that movie, because, because what happens in that movie, of course, I think as a lot of people know, is that Rocky not only... Uh, defeats Ivan Drago, but he also defeats communism. Communist, on, right, right. Yeah, on Christmas Day, right. they were throwing around ideas. They were saying that, like, well, now, like, Rocky has done this. Like, what? Wh- I mean, what could he fight next? And someone threw around the idea that he would fight an alien. And uh, Stallone rejected this idea, but the script was like pretty much written. So they kind of reworked it a little bit, made it about Arnold Schwarzenegger, and that. That little old thing became Predator. That became Predator. Wow. That became Predator. That's yeah. Exciting. And now you know the rest of the story. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, wow. So anyway, so I think um, so. That's a good. That's a good. I think that. I, so I think there are. I, I, I agree with the Slate article that there's a whole lot in Three Is a Condor, both thematically and iconographically. Right, that suggests right. that it really, really is a Christmas movie. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, I like this idea, too, that the way, the, the nature of the couple's relationship, that it has mm-hmm. to happen under the auspices of the castrated third, I mm-hmm. think that is a hugely right. important thing in the Christmas movie. And I think that yeah. phone call, my God. It directly connects is, is, Condor right, and It's, it's Condor life. and It's yeah. a Wonderful Life. But it also is this the third party mediating yep. the connection with the woman breaking from the other boyfriend at the time. So he's, he becomes the castrated other yeah. that then makes this bond possible. Like brokering it almost, right. which is interesting right. no, considering it's, it's a wonderful life because right. he is in the stock market, right? right. Sam Wainwright. Yeah, so that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. he's, um, it's funny yeah. because he's the one who's supposedly successful, but the whole point right. of the film is that, that, George Bailey gets, you know, has this relationship with his love object that Sam Wainwright can never have. And so right, that's, right. That, that, so that's where the, whatever real success, which is of course failure in the capitalist universe, that's real success right. in the, in the eyes of the film, I think. Yeah. 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 Which I, it, I mean, and that, so let's Isn't transition that the, to that. I mean, everybody maybe I don't know that we need to, to, to detail the plot, but no, we don't have to do that. It's I think it's probably too famous. It's also one of those movies. Do you know that? Have you read the the book by um um? Am I gonna uh, if on a winter's night a traveler? No. That, um, no. Oh, okay. Um. That who who is that? The Italian author um, who did Cosmic Comics. Um, Anyway, it's it's it'll obviously come to me. Somebody okay. will know. But in in the book, uh, the which is very meta, there's a description about like you walk into a bookstore because the whole book is about reading a book, yeah. and um, you walk into the bookstore and you see the books, and there these are all put like in like uh every 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 word of this string is in a capital letter. So it's like a, like an official sort of thing. Um, and, and it's like, you see the books that you haven't read, but should read. You see the, the books that, uh, you have read, but should read again. You see the books that you haven't heard of. You see the books that you haven't read, but feel like you've read because, you know, and I think that, that this is 
one of those films where it's a wonderful life. If you haven't seen it, like you feel like you've seen it. Yeah. You you feel like you've seen it. Yeah. Which does not mean don't see it if you haven't. I mean, like you absolutely should. Yeah. I think it's worth seeing many times actually. Yeah. 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 But it's, it is certainly one of those things. I don't think You know, Capra thought it was (laughs) the best. And later in his life, he thought it's the best film ever made. And I just thought, I don't I don't think you can say that. For one thing, you can't say that about your own. Even Wells didn't say that about Citizen Kane. So, you're not allowed to so say you're that not, about it. You're not allowed, no. Frank. No. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I was in a, I was in a meeting earlier, and someone said, uh, "I, I came to UVM. You're welcome." And I thought, <laughs> I thought, are you allowed to say that? <laughs> I'm not sure you're allowed to say that. Um, which is, you know, that's I've I've always dreamed of doing that at the end of a conference talk. Like, cause you know, you say thank you yeah. for listening, right? You just say thank. Like, it just at the end, just kind of like give like a like a like a wry smile, look around the room, and just be like, "You're welcome." Yeah, but I don't think anyone. I don't think everyone would know that I was joking. Yeah, you know, but like I don't even think that me. joke is okay, frankly. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I mean, it triggers me. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Uh, yeah, I. You know, I just I don't I. But anyway, I think that's. Uh, I think it's a wonderful life is really really good. But I think to think that you've made the greatest movie ever. But but interestingly is, yeah. is a problem. But I think interestingly, Stewart thought it was the best movie he ever made. Wow. Which is fascinating because he made Vertigo. Jesus. And he made Vertigo. Rear Window. And he made all those Anthony Mann Westerns, which are stunning. Right. You know, Anthony like Valance, Man yeah. from Laramie. Oh, he made Liberty Valley. That's a John Ford, but that Ooh, yeah, that's yeah. amazing film too. So that's a high it's interesting that that was his view. Um mm. you know, that 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 it was the best film he ever made. And he also made earlier I mean, Capra films that are pretty great. Like, I think you can't yeah. take it with you. Is 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 it talk about these conservative making the socialist? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Jameson calls the the house that they live in where everybody does these weird quirky things. He says that's the <laughs> socialist utopia. That's so, really funny. Yeah. So I yeah. think that's interesting that Stewart thought this was the best one, and maybe I don't know. Maybe that's right. I think it's it's got a lot going on. I think that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for, for one thing, I th- this idea, I mean, the, the logic of desire that it develops is, is mm-hmm. I think, outstanding, that he is constantly think even though he's not, he's anti-capitalist, like he, in the, so, insofar right. as he's anti-Potter, but he wants right, to right, be a course. big success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, right. And that all, that's one of those things, right? Like, you can't, I think, a very, like, a very basic, I've done, I've, I've taught, like a just this is like a rudimentary uh, example of like how capitalism works to like to students because it just because it's one of these things that like you do need to be alienated from yeah. for a little bit because it's just the it is the air we breathe yeah. so it needs to be made uh you need to take the stale stink out of it to to, to make it apprehendable that's and a, is like, that is that is that like Bertolt Brecht fair Fremdung's effect I think that's oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, alienation. Sure. yeah, yeah. I think yeah for sure yeah. um so I, I like to give this example of like if you if you imagine a triangle and on the left bottom part of the the triangle is is the is the worker at the top is the capitalist and on the right side of the triangle is the the consumer so like your um your basic basic base level um like capitalist idea is buy for a dollar sell for two right okay and so how are you going to make money on that well the way that you make money on that is that if you're buying for a dollar it means that you and then selling for two you are clearly under uh paying 
the the laborer for the thing that they make the product that they make okay so that so that we have like a bit we have exploitation there the workers being exploited because their labor is not being uh valued at the proper amount okay and so then the consumer purchases it at an inflated amount and they're being exploited for that reason but here's the thing who gets to enjoy what the capitalist gets to enjoy the exploitation of both parties the consumer gets to enjoy the thing that they've bought even though that they've purchased it at an explo- at a, at a inflated price. Don't they enjoy the, labor- the exploitation of the laborer? They also enjoy the exploitation of the laborer, um, but although... With, Isn't you know, that what the enjoyment of the thing is? Well, I th- yes, exactly. I'm so they, sorry, I'm just being well, they, No, no, they, they get... Yeah, I was going to kind of get into that too, okay. because like if, like the, the, the triangle is, does not have the, the bottom yeah. like totally filled out because the, the laborer and the, uh, the consumer never meet. Right. Like there's right, no right, contact right, there. Right. And so that I think is... What you enjoy is also the you both enjoying the the exploitation and also the fact that you don't ever have to meet that person who made the thing. So then, right. what does the laborer? Have well, so to you enjoy? can fetishistically well, disavow enjoying the exploitation. Yes, exactly. So that's all up in there. And then the the laborer though can only enjoy their own exploitation. That's it. Yeah, that's, that's I, I, I think that I know, like that as uh, a critique of capital that 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 the enjoyment of the labor is restricted to the enjoyment of their own exploitation, which is, I and think I th- there's something to that. I like that. I think, I think it's, it's useful thinking about that. And yeah. like, in, in terms of um, understanding why it is that like, Oh, I don't know. Some of the most exploited uh, uh, laborers uh, continuing to be exploited by the Trump administration are his most fervent fans. Right. 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 No, I think it's very helpful for that. But don't you think yeah. it's also helpful for the fact that, that the, the 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 capitalist has no enjoyment of her his own. Right. Yeah. Like, yes. The, the capitalist doesn't get to enjoy her his own self-destructiveness. Right. Like that's the, so yeah. that they're deprived of that same kind of enjoyment that both the consumer through mm-hmm. spending through just you know, getting rid of something and that the, mm-hmm. because accumulation, you're never, you're, you're, although, I mean, so they always have to be destroying other people, right? They, mm-hmm. they, they can never destroy the, they don't get the enjoyment of destroying themselves and their own, no. or whatever, their own exploitation in the way that both the other categories. They have to, right? they have to destroy the other. And yeah. this, I, I, this is a bit of a low blow, but this is why Jack has to die at the end of Titanic. Is to support the the wealthy. Uh, it's a low blow because you know I love that film. I know, I know, I know, and I apologize. Yeah, I but no, <laughs> sorry, I won't get into my defensive. We're going to do a special <laughs> episode on Titanic just because you said <laughs> that. Should, I know, <laughs> um, which will be I mean, even you know, less maybe, attractive than our Christmas special. Than so. our Christmas one, but yeah. maybe maybe I'll move it into a, another territory that that we can work at. The okay. Jim Ursay, the guy who owns the um, Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know this. This is the guy that owns Jerry Garcia's guitar and the original scroll of uh, on the road yes because yeah because like there's i think that this is true this is maybe the maybe this is the only thing that the exploited worker has over the over the capitalist but it's like it's totally illusory i I think but it's like you can imagine that like oh well this guy hasn't lived so all he can do is purchase the artifacts of people who did live yeah and i think that there is some truth to that but ultimately that does not equal the exploitation that that you suffer um that 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 person like ultimately like it does not there's not that's not real equality there no i agree i agree but i think it is an interesting question of and i think it's a wonderful life explores this question of 
in terms of enjoyment, like not in terms of material mm-hmm. conditions, because that's right. obvious, but in mm-hmm. terms of enjoyment, who gets off worse in a capitalist mm-hmm. system? And I'm not sure the answer to that is as obvious as it appears. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not sure that the, the exploited worker gets off worse in mm-hmm. terms of enjoyment than the exploiting capitalist. Like, I'm just, I, I, because it's I don't. A wonderful Life does, seems to make that. With, with well, Potter, I, right. Potter has is absolutely bereft of enjoyment. Yeah. Right. And and yeah, and right. and and all the, the. I mean, that's the other thing. That's why it's. A, if you want to call it a socialist film, there's this like joy of the collective, is yes, is completely yeah. manifested in that film, especially in the final scene, which is yeah, which is if nothing but it, it's nothing if not a, a just a pure enjoyment of of collective sacrifice because yeah, they're they're yeah. coming to just give away their money right the, yeah. you know look so in the name of the collective in the name because yeah. george bailey is the name he's just the signifier of the collectivity yes. right like yeah. i think it's wrong to think of the film as this individualistic like redemption of bailey or something no he's the no, signifier no. of the collectivity cuz that great scene at the at the, at the at the we talked about earlier at the savings and loan where he mm-hmm he tells them it's your money is in the house and the where you did the impression yeah. like yes. that that he's just all he's doing is signifying that they're a collective mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and i think so that and then and then when they come to give him money they're just making their sacrifice for the sake of the collective which is there's an enjoyment in that and i think yeah. i mean that is that is the enjoyment of solidarity and that's and really good I, I think that you know, Potter is my God. He's just totally bereft of anything like that. Just right, nothing, right? You know, it's a great point. Like I think, I, I think another way of thinking about it that, of of course, is is um like coextensive with your idea is that um if we're gonna go with the idea that obviously all the people that support George Bailey at the end of the movie are themselves like exploited workers, um, but they get to direct. So now what they're all doing is that the money that they get, that they should be earning more because of, you know, for whatever various um, capitalistic situations they find themselves in, they're now, they're giving their money to something that is like, that actually exceeds um, the, the capitalist system itself. Like, and, and it's in a sense by taking the money that they probably don't have to support this guy in this, in this moment, like that, is an enjoyment that is greater than enjoying it was far greater than enjoying their own expectation right. is being funneled towards something that as we've been talking about is the, like if that's the least cynical thing that you can do, it, it, it is a genuine radical act because it, yes, it supports this person who you all love, but it does you damage. Like those people don't, right. They have like, less they money. Don't have a, right. They have less. Yeah. They don't have enough money to, to really be doing that, but right. everybody does it anyway. They probably aren't going to be able to go get a cake that that week. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm just yeah, picking yeah. out my vice and not not your your yeah. vice, right? Yeah, maybe but they can't go makes... get to a couple beers or something, which sure. they need, right, to to survive. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah, or even worse, maybe they they have to go without food for a day. I mean, it's really. I think you're right. There's a real sense of a sacrifice there, and I also mm-hmm. didn't you think it's interesting that I think racially the film is like all Capra films is pretty problematic up until yeah, the yeah. final scene. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like they have this, the really yeah. like the, she, the black woman plays the Bailey's servant and she's, yeah. and she's like more concerned about them than her own life. All the typical yeah. problems of classical Hollywood when there even are representations of, 
of yeah. black char- characters, which are um, which are not very common. Um, mm-hmm. It's usually, I mean, she's a pretty typical mammy figure, like uh, like Gone with the Wind. But yeah. then there's actually, I think there's two or three black characters who come in and join this giving of him giving money to George at the end. Yeah. And they're not singled. I mean, they're not singled out. They're just part of like the mat. It's an interracial collective. collective. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's pretty, I think it's pretty significant. So I, I I don't want to redeem the film about the other parts. No, of course not. Of course not. And I also think there, you know, there are other problems with the film. Like I think that the way that you could say it's a little akin to wizard of Oz, you know, like Mm -hmm. um, you go to, you, you explore the fantasy and you're like, eh, Scary fantasy. I want to come back to the safety of Bedford Falls or the safety yeah. of Kansas, you know. And and I think there's yeah. a kind of conformist dimension of that, of that, that that's present in the film, and mm-hmm. which I I don't think you should we should totally whitewash. But I do feel mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I feel like there's these other elements which are far more important that are that mm-hmm. are you know like the the way that it's like the challenge to the logic of accumulation capital. It's pretty, mm-hmm. it's pretty, it, I think that's the dominant strain in the film. And I think this, the other parts are, are subsumed under that. Mm, no, no, I totally agree. And you're, you're also reminding me that this is the first year that, um, Hallmark Channel, uh, has made Christmas movies with predominantly, uh, black casts. Right. I, I knew that. Yeah. I just read yeah, that. Yeah. There's maybe, maybe four. Um, and they're, they're pretty good. They're actually there's some of the better ones that I've seen this year. Uh, the although the the only there's one with Dennis Haysbert and it's just like, man, every time he says something, I just think it's an all state ad. And you don't it's think so it's the funny. president speaking? No, I don't because he's been you didn't doing watch twenty four. You didn't watch. 24? No, I did. I, yeah. I totally did. Yeah. But but. So for a couple of years, I thought the president is telling me to get all state and, <laughs> right. and now, and now it's, uh, this actor is telling me to get all state yeah, yeah, this yeah, Christmas, yeah. you know, it. so he's yeah. had kind of yeah. a, kind of a shift, yeah. but it's also kind of interesting is that next year for Hallmark channel is going to be the first year that they make a Hanukkah movie. Wow. We, I was just talking yeah. cause, cause, uh, Hillary, my spouse and boys are, are Jewish and, and they were lamenting that there's no good Hanukkah movies, except you know there's Rugrats yeah. Hanukkah, which really doesn't get, oh yeah that doesn't get the job done. Um, yeah, <laughs> one of the jokes in that film is the girl keeps going Hanukkah, Jesus Christ, and and, yeah. and they the my boys used to get a big they, they would just kick they would do, they had a big kick out of that yeah yeah but I, so I I do think this is a final thing about it's a wonderful yeah. life or maybe not even a final thing but it's another thing. Um, I, I, what I like about the fantasy, so the angel Clarence comes down. We didn't mm-hmm. describe this, but we assumed everyone knows it. The angel Clarence yeah. comes down and shows him what his life would be, what life in Bedford Falls would be like with if he hadn't lived. Yeah. And I really like that too, because on the one hand, it seems like this individualistic thing, like, yo, the individual is so important. But isn't it more that the way you can't separate the individual from the collective. And I think that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's almost like, yeah, you could, you could say it's what's funny is how short that sequence is because yeah, you think like, Oh, the whole film is about him seeing what it wouldn't be. But no, the, the, that sequence starts with only 30 minutes left in the film and the film is two hours and 10 minutes maybe. So it's 140, 100 hour and 40 minutes into the film when you get Mm. this sequence when, and, and the rest of the film is, God and Joseph, which is a weird right. thing. And it's, I mean, that's, I yeah. think, a problem, is that the, the <laughs> God is kind of directing all this. Um, yeah. But, but then 
uh, and but I like how Clarence saves him. So Clarence doesn't save him from committing suicide. He jumps into the river, he unable to swim, and yep. causes George to dive in to and save, save him. him. So that's a nice thing that that and rather than saving him directly, he relies on George's unconscious ethic, um, yeah. which I liked. But then I think. Isn't it nice that when he shows what the town is like without him in it, he shows how you cannot, like, what the town is, is Mm -hmm. his action is part of what the town is. So it's a a little bit of like an encounter with the gaze, I think, the the rest of that that whole sequence kind of is. You know, if you, I mean, it's maybe too positive, but it does nicely show (laughs) how you can't, you can't separate, like, these things wouldn't just exist. Like if we yeah. weren't acting and, you know, supporting them and doing whatever, they wouldn't just exist. It makes visible like the invisibility of one's own stain right. on the right. exactly. on society. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. It's, you know, and you're, you're, you're reminding me or, or making me realize for the first time that I, I bet that is, it is, it's a wonderful life that, um, the future dystopia in back to the future two is based on. Utterly. Utterly. Yeah. 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 Slimeboy yeah. has this point where he says the the that sequence in It's a Wonderful Life was the point is that it's through the fantasy that the film is able to depict what American life really is like at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is I think that's right. Cool. I think that's a nice point. Yeah. Yeah. And it's only only the only bulwark is uh well, the only bulwark is the, uh, I mean, that's a very Sartorian point. The only bulwark is the uh, possibility of creating a genuine collective from people who otherwise uh, would not think they have a meaningful political connection right. to each other. Right. Yeah. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. I find it fascinating how, I mean, th- so these films that we've talked about today are both very contrasting in terms of the collectivity though right like mm-hmm. the, yeah it's a wonderful life is all, i mean there's all these similarities between the films but it's a wonderful life yeah. is about the formation and the recognition of the collective yeah and condor is about the impossibility of any collective forming and even this brief liaison with with uh kathy that that turner has is is, is can only be fleeting it can't be yeah. like they can't be the source of some even a two person collective. Right. So and, and don't you think and don't you think that it uses that that film uses that whole thing to great effect? Because at the end, you doubt the New York Times will publish the story, absolutely. thus creating a collectivity of people who are aware of what the CIA has been doing and why they've been right. doing it. Right. So it is it is the it is our own suspicion. Uh, and, and actually, maybe the, the, the movie dares us to not be cynical. Uh, right at, at the end, right to right. And to, to think right. that that it will that there will be this sort of rise up. In well, support. I think not to know. Yeah. I think the point yeah, is you cannot know. know. Yeah. I think that's the yeah. point of the film. Like I think, don't you think it's interesting these films where you're given the ambiguity and then it's yeah. so tempting to say, oh, well, what it's really going to be is one or the other. But I think no, you read the ambiguity as the answer, yeah. right? That's the, I think yeah. that's the Hegelian point relative to Kant. Like it's it's yeah. the, the the posing of the problem is already the solution to the problem. Like it's the way mm-hmm. that like it's the, it's the inability to say, are they going to print? How far can you walk if they don't print it? They'll yeah. print it. like that inability to say is already the answer. And I think that is the, I think you're right though, that there's a way in which that's the basis for a kind of collectivity that Pollock, mm-hmm. Sidney Pollock, the director is envisioning mm-hmm. that the film could create. 
right? Like the, I think he and yeah. Capra have these different because his collectivity is in the seventies when the whole point is any kind of collective action is broken down, any kind of collective bond. Yeah. I mean, that's the start of the of the you know rampant ultra liberalism, right? And right. and and I feel like that. Um, you know, that film is maybe trying to posit a way to, to counter that through, the, mm. through, you know, through, through belief. I think that's, you know, like, like yeah. that's, well, it's, you, yeah. you have faith, right? Have he, faith. Has to have, he has to have, he has faith. To have faith at the end, you know, in a, in a secular God, yeah, so yeah, to yeah. speak, right? Yeah. The, the, the fourth, the fourth estate. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, yeah. It, which, it, which is fascinating. But I, yeah, I do no, think that, that this notion of like anti, that they're both anti-cynical that yeah. both films are. And I think that that is requisite for the Christmas film. Absolutely requisite for the Christmas film. Um, I think that's great. We're at an hour 12. Do you want to call it? Yeah, Ryan. Uh, I think we'll have to talk about those other three films in the next episode. <laughs> we are going to have to. So we're going to move, move on. Um, and we, we were gone for a couple weeks, but Todd, as you said to me on the phone, we're going to hit listeners with a double album, uh, <laughs> due to our, due to our, uh, our, our time lapse. So that was uh, my question is, was the white album a poor seller? Ooh. Oh no. Oh, well that that's too not. bad. Cause otherwise we could say this is our, our going to be our white album, but we ours. No, you know what? It'll be our tusk. Okay. <laughs> that's too yeah. obscure for anyone to know. Although I know what you're talking about. So. All right. You know it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that's funny for me. Okay. Okay. Over and out, Ryan. Over and out.